My name is Bobby. I'm a paramedic with 27 years of experience in EMS and fire. And my name is Jason, and I'm a retired paramedic with 20 years experience in EMS and fire. And together we're... Paramedics? Unscripted. On this show, everything is on the table. We'll talk about burnout in the business, calling 911 for non-emergency reasons, Holly Pharmacy, frequent flyers, the current housing market, the financial system, BS doctor office visits, or anything else we want to, all from a paramedic's point of view. And why? Because we're paramedics. Unscripted. Welcome back into Paramedics Unscripted. I'm your co-host Jason here with my co-host Bobby for episode number 29. Bobby, how you doing, brother? Oh, <laughs> hello, hello, hello. On, man. Not too much, man. How you been? Sorry, I had to give a little homage to uh, Mr. Robert Kiyosaki with that intro. I know. Do you hear, do you hear me doing in the background? Oh, hello, hello, hello. Yeah, I like the I like the applause. By the way, yeah, that was nice. That was nice. That was a nice. Touch. Well, well, I mean, we are. I don't want to. I don't want to brag to anybody who listens to the show, but we were just noted as number 40, 40th in the medicine category in France. So, pretty much in France, we're a fucking big deal. That's all I want to say. I love me some France, man. <laughs> I do too, since they voted for us, I guess, or whatever. We're getting a lot of downloads in France, apparently. You know, even though aren't they one of the ones that have like the weeno weeno sirens? You know. Yeah. yeah, those ones where you're like, you're like, yeah, I'm not really, yeah. in, I'm not really into EMS anymore. Like, I don't want to do it. You know? Yeah, but I still wish we had that siren option on our rigs. I like the phaser. That was my favorite one. Get the fuck out of the way. You know? I still use that all the time. The air horn. And then we had the, we had the, oh, yeah. um, did you guys have it's, the, it's uh, the one was, it's the one with strong sound waves. So when you hit the button, when you're like, say you have someone that's not getting out of the way, it's not that they're not trying, but they're just, fuck you guys. I'm not getting out of the way. You know, you just kind of blare up to the side of them and you hit that button and that sound wave literally fucking washes them out. Did you it's guys like, have, did you guys have, do you got, um, do your units where you are, do they have the thumper? No, we had the, we had the thumper. I think is what it was called, and it was a button you could hit that because people's now a lot of people don't know this, but cars now are of course made a lot better than they were back in the old days, and they're very soundproof, especially like the higher end cars are made to. Like, I was just one with the uh, the with the the pulsating sound waves. Yeah, it's like bass. Basically. Yeah, that's that that, that yeah, we do have that. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, I, I think it was called the thumper. I might be wrong on that, but but I remember that because that was my favorite one too. Well, obviously because it was new, but you get behind those people that maybe like you said, aren't being dicks. They just have their stereo up too loud and they're not paying attention. And all. you had that thumper and you see their rear view mirror, like twitch, you know, like you're shaking, actually shaking their car and they look up like, Oh, what the fuck? You know what I mean? And they freak out. Those are always pretty fun. Too. Well, that's why when I, uh, when I'm off, especially if say I'm driving home from work or I'm just driving somewhere in my leisure when I'm off and you know, I, I hear an engine or an ambulance or, you know, a truck coming from behind me or whatnot, or I'm there, I'm at an intersection and they're coming, you know, you know, perpendicular to, to me. Uh, and you just see them blare. I mean, don't even stop. Don't even, you know, don't even use any type of safety measure whatsoever. And they just blare through the red light. It's Hell like, yeah. what the fuck do you do that? It's like, cause there's always going to be that person out there that has their stereo blasting or they got their earbuds on in the car talking or listening to something, which is illegal at least in where I live. Yeah. And uh, they're not going to hear that. And then they're not going to see it until the last minute. And if they're just, if these engines or ambulances just blaring through without doing a due regard, looking, making sure everything's safe, looking from all directions, there's always going to be that one person that's just going to smack into you. And it happens a lot. Did you like, did you like pushing cars into the intersection? Like not physically. No, see, I, I, well, where I work, what we run into a lot is, I mean, there's a lot of traffic a lot of times and, uh, we come up to intersections or, or even in rush hour traffic to where people are trying, but they just don't have anywhere to go. So you gotta, you gotta be careful because when it's that busy, especially at an intersection, like, you know, a busy intersection, you, you, you want to be careful where you direct them to go because they might put themselves in harm's way and you don't want to do that. Yeah. We would, we had, I had a partner that was, um, he was new to EMS. Like he'd be done fire and stuff before, but he'd never really driven an ambulance before and like done all that part of it. And, right. um, we are partners and he was, we would go up to like a busy intersection, like you said, and let's say it's like one car in this lane, two in this one, four in this one, three in this one or whatever. And, but we, we have a red light for sure. And we have to get, get through. It's like, a, let's say it's a CPR, like a real call, not a dumb call or whatever. And we have to get through. And he's like, what do we do? All the lanes are blocked. I'm like, get behind the, get behind the one guy and just fucking push him in the intersection. 
I mean, it's a big open intersection. It's flat land. There's no hills. There's no blind spots, nothing like that. And I was like, yeah, just get, I mean, make a fuckload of noise. We got our officer lights are on. And I said, make a fuckload of noise. Go slow and get behind him and tell him to, he'll, he'll start moving up. He'll inch up and then wait and kind of watch as you see the people coming and make a lot of noise. And you'll see, you'll start seeing them all check up, you know, the uh, oncoming lanes that have green lights. And, and then he goes, and he goes, and I said, yeah, man, you just, he's like, but couldn't they get hurt? And I was like, all you got to do is just say, hey, sorry, you've been chosen. You know what I mean? And just push them through. You know, we got to get through. <laughs> we got, we got calls to run, you know? That lady has a stub toe, you know? <laughs> get. So that was always my thing. Like, the dumber the call, the faster you should drive. That was my, always my thing is, like, we used to joke with that all the time. Like, you better oh, haul. She, her toe hurts. You better fucking get there, dude. Let's go. You know, I've gotten to the point where if it's not necessary, I'm going straight priority three, which is no lights and siren. Oh, no, no, no. I'm awake. Everybody's awake. That was my motto. No, I there. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times when you want to blare lights and siren all the time. But, um, you know, when when you've got like a mediocre, for lack of a better way of putting it, patient in the back. Oh, yeah, yeah. And say I'm driving. I don't want to. You know, I. I don't want to put anybody else the road on the road at risk for you know something that pretty much is a bullshit call. You don't want to. I don't, you, wanna, you don't, I don't want to put. I don't want to put my partner, myself, our patient, or anybody else on the road at risk. You don't want to go uh, lights and sirens a, on the shoulder. A bullshit call. A four ninety five. It's uh, going seventy five miles an hour on the shoulder, blowing by everybody in a standstill on four ninety five. To get to hitting, a, the, hitting the studs next to the guardrail. Yeah, to, to, get, to get a person to a, a, a certain hospital that's uh, military in uh, Maryland. With a special, Walter Reed. Yeah, with a, no, different one. Bethesda. Yeah. And then, and well, then, and Bethesda then, is the new Walter Reed now. Uh, well, I know that, but back then, it, you know, when I was there. And then, and then, like, yeah. and then doing that. And then you get in there, and because you have a important cargo. And then when you get in there, you find out that they're like, you responded? And you're like, yeah, that's what we're told to do. Cause like this person's like a big dog or something. And they're like, Oh, their, their surgery is not till tomorrow. And you're like, okay, sounds about right. Yay. Government. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, and then, and then like the guy, but I remember Cause like when we did that, I remember the person, cause they were, like I said, they were a big dog person. So they had like a chase car that followed us. Not now, no license sirens, but it was like their drive. They had their own driver person that drove them around or whatever. And of course that person followed us to the hospital and of course followed us like, illegally but you know like whatever um this, i'm not a cop so it's not my problem um and then when they got there like they were like oh jesus christ you're a good driver <laughs> they're like and they're all knuckles are all white you know <laughs> it's like, like fuck yeah i know yeah yeah i was like i know shit you know <laughs> <laughs> shit. so hey man uh happy uh post-election day oh, God. did you vote yesterday no what the fuck man why did you vote because I, I only, I only, I only vote for the presidential election. I know that's sad. Don't give me that shit, man. Come on. I to, hey, to be to be completely honest on Paramexican script, I don't want to. Hey, I'm, I'm gonna call Trudeau and tell him you're moving to Canada. Hell okay? yeah, dude! They got good hockey and like. No, they're not. I, I love Canada. I love Canada. I just don't like Trudeau. What okay. about what about their Molson Triple X? I like that shit. Oh, Molson, that's always a good thing. <laughs> we talked about that before. No, yeah, we we we've discussed that before. I think too with the election stuff. I just I don't know. Just you kind of lose you kind of lose like hope when you have like the whether you want to believe what happened or whatever. There's definitely like I don't know. There's definitely fuckery no, why, going why on don't last you, time. There's probably fuckery on everyone, huh? Why don't you vote anymore if you don't mind me asking? Well, I vote for the presidential elections now. I, I my I've I've only voted twice in my life. Why not the midterms? I'm 46. Uh, I just don't care really. I don't know because I don't believe I don't believe that I believe they're just going to do whatever they want. Like so, it doesn't really matter. You know, like well, this is this was probably one of the most important midterms in American history, was which Trump, was yesterday. Was Trump there? Uh, he, he wasn't actually there. He was somewhere in the country. No, I know. But was he is he like running again or something? I know people talk about that. I don't follow politics because nobody knows yet. He hasn't made the announcement. I want Trump to run just because it pisses everybody off. And I think it's hilarious because like all these liberal fucks like that deal with all this nonsense. And they it, like obviously that didn't work. So we went from we went from Trump, which people have like strong opinions about either way, and that's fine. And and like I said, I like Trump, but like you have strong opinions going this way or that way, and then now you went to this wuss side over here, you know. And so I'm I'm just ready for it to go back because like everything's been a shithole currently. So 
Well, you know, everybody was expecting a huge red wave, you know, a huge, because, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of people in this country, a huge part of this country is tired of the bullshit. doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, you know, and uh, they're tired of literally the bullshit. They're tired of these policies that aren't working. They're tired of an administration that isn't doing shit that helps anything and that literally makes no sense. There is no common sense to this administration at all. And, um, you know, both sides of the aisle are tired of it, you know, certain elements, you know, and, and in my, in my opinion, this is not a, you know, a lot of people will try to label you, you're just a Trumpster man. It's like, uh, who the fuck you said that I didn't. Cause I, I don't see myself as that, that at all. I'm, I'm a, middle of the road guy, like I've said before, you know, I see, you know, positivity on both sides when it comes to certain things. And I see negativity on both sides when it comes to certain things, but I'm the type of person where it's like, I'm a facts person. I look at the facts. I'm a common sense person. I look, I, I use common sense and look at the common sense angle. And there is no fucking common sense when it comes to what's going on in this country right now under the Biden administration. None. Well, that, you know, that, that's why I voted, like, when I voted my first time in my life was when Trump, in, I guess it was 16, I think, um, was just because Trump was, you know, like, Celebrity Apprentice, he was a big famous star from TV, and obviously he's a millionaire and gazillionaire or whatever, all that stuff, but I was just like, alright, cool, well, let's put this guy in office, because I don't trust politicians, just, like, any, any I don't, none, I don't trust them at all, I think they're all, like, two-faced. Especially, and, especially these career politicians like Biden. Yeah, I, I don't trust any of them, so, like, I was like, alright, well, hey, every other, you know person they've had an offense since i've office that since i've been a kid or whatever you know growing up or whatever they haven't really done anything i also believe they're all kind of on the same team and they just kind of divide Nancy us with Pelosi. The, I, I believe they kind of do that stuff so like it's just like okay well, let's put this guy in you know and he's a, he's a gazillionaire and so lo- lobbyists aren't going to sway him one way or another you know I mean, the guy went into, got voted in and then was like, do I have to say the White House's place is kind of a shithole? You know what I mean? Like, compared to where he lived. You know, like, that, that's, that's someone we need. Like, we, I don't say we need Trump, but we need someone, that's, you know, not necessarily him anymore, maybe. I don't know. You could argue that, but because I'm not, like, I'm not into politics. But, like, hiring these people that are just, you know, they've been doing politics forever and they just, you know, ride that wave all the way to the top. That's annoying. Because they all have agendas. They're all bought by somebody. They all have to pay off these corporations by leaning this way or that way on different votes. and whatever they're trying bills are trying to pass or whatever it just gets stupid after a while so yeah whatever you know well i don't care i don't care what side of the aisle or which side of the fence people sit on the the one thing the one question they should ask themselves and and this is taking the the left right you know equation out of it this 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 is that's what i think the problem is this isn't a left versus right this is a right versus wrong you know this is an establishment problem this isn't a you know, left versus right problem. This is a an establishment problem where you've got, you know, establishment politicians on both sides of the aisle, which to me, the dual party system is the problem. But you've got on, you know, you've got members of both sides that are, you know, establishment politicians who are so used to doing things a certain way, whether it's their, you know, the you know, corruption, you know, the way they, you know, manipulating the system, doing their backdoor shady deals, you know, their private re- revenue streams, you know, under the table from special interest groups, whatever. Then Trump comes along, who's richer than fuck. He is not bought and paid for. He's not a politician. Yeah, he's an asshole. And he's not part of their club. That is what scared the shit out of all of them is because he's the one person that could come in and screw up their world, screw up their way of doing business. And that is why they are so afraid of him, why they try to destroy him for the four years he was in office. Which is, which to me was bullshit too, because like I said, I just, I just think it's like, it was weird to see that, the country, I understand people have the right, I mean, America, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, all that stuff, right? But that's what we were founded on. But the amount of people that were allowed to just talk shit of our current president, like, to the point of, like, deplatforming him and, and doing different things like that, that was absurd. 
like you don't see Biden getting deplatformed, and I think he's a horrible president. But but I still respect people that like him and whatever. You know, like if you want to like Biden, great, like Biden, like that's fine. But like the the amount of shit that was put on him was was ridiculous. You know, compared to any other president we've ever had, and that was that was kind of. I don't know. Like if I was president, well, not only, not they, only, not only know. sick, but I mean, this is, this is what bothers me the most. And this is the common sense I'm talking about that is just left the room, if you will, is, and just, just take whatever politics you have. People who are listening out there, just put it to the side for a second. Just, just look at the common sense. If, and if facets of the government, uh, illegally, took measures to put surveillance on a candidate for president. And even when that candidate was an elected president, you know, abused the system, abused the FISA court system, fabricated a Russian collusion lie to try to get rid of a seated president created a whole false scenario, wasted the American people's time for three and a half years, wasted their money. And it, this isn't even debatable anymore. It's been proven that that whole Russian collusion thing that was the whole Mueller report was money was spent on for that, you know, investigating this whole thing. It was proven. It was a fraud. It was brought in by the DNC financed by Hillary Clinton. And it was complete fabrication. It was a hoax, literally. And you can't dispute that anymore. That's not even up for debate. That is treason. Certain aspects of that is treasonous activity. And why people are still walking the streets, I don't understand. But the more important thing besides that is the same people that are so hell-bent on hating Trump are going to still get all their information and listen and follow what those same people that lied to them are saying. And I don't understand that type of mentality. Look, I'm not a Trumper. I don't care if you like him or not. If, if you might, you know, like I said before, you know how much I despise Hillary Clinton, but if the same situation mm -hmm. happened to her, I would have a problem with it because it sets a precedence that if it can happen to one person, it can happen to anybody and they could take advantage of the system to destroy somebody. And that is that bothers me. But where the common sense still is out the window is people still listen. You know, if they lied to you once before, what's to say that they're not going to do it again? Or what else have they lied to you about? But it, people still buy that bullshit hook, line, and sinker every single time. Yeah, but that's because this country has been like, they've made you basically think you have to be red or blue tie. You know, and not and that's and not, why I say which, that's the, why I think it's all the theater. dual party system is the problem. Yeah, I oh, think yeah. it's all theater and stuff, because I think a lot of those guys or girls, whatever, they're all friends in the back rooms and stuff like that. And they go out there and they play this game to and the next time they're like, oh, well, now, now we'll let the Republicans win. Next time we'll let the Democrats. And they just do that nonsense. And they all get in office. They don't they dilly dally around and waste money and they don't fucking do anything most of the time, you know, of any significance or they do something stupid. You know, like shut off pipelines or whatever. Like, it's well, just, let me ask. Let me ask you a question, though. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question real quick. Okay, give me your opinion if this makes sense to you or not. And when I say people need to look at what makes sense and what doesn't make sense, forget what political affiliation you have. It, it comes down to that: what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. Okay, you know, the, the current administration came into office. Okay, um, the first thing they did. Like we've said before, they took us off of energy independence. Okay. Why? You, nobody, nobody's gotten an answer why. The only, the only answers they get is, well, we're, we're trying to convert more to, you know, green energy. And it's like, okay, I have no problem with green energy, but it's a process. You know, it, it, you can't just flip the switch and all of a sudden we're going to green energy. We're cutting everything off. It doesn't work that way. Or one, you're going to dump, you know certain streams of the economy, certain valuable points of the economy. And then two, we're not ready for it yet completely to completely to be on wind, solar, you know, and, you know, and electric. 
I mean, let's be honest, when it comes to electric cars, you know, they're pushing the electric car agenda so much. But what's not being talked about is, say we did convert, at this point, convert completely to electric cars and we took fossil fuel vehicles out of the equation, you know, because of environmental purposes, it, because of, uh, you know, it takes more. How do you think, when it comes to making these batteries for these electric cars, where do you, where do you think the... Uh, the uh, <clears throat> minerals come from to make these batteries. Yeah, they comes say, from the ground. Yeah, which means say. you're going to disrupt. It's going to and, and what digs it out of the ground? Diesel fueled machinery, yeah. not electric machinery. Diesel fueled machinery, and you're going to, you know, destroy the environment more by okay. Now you have a whole world that's going to depend on an electric car. Okay, those minerals only come from certain parts of the world. A lot of it from China. You know, so yet again, then we're dependent on China for something else you know but it's more destructive digging for those those minerals and then producing these batteries in these plants it's going to take the same thing it's going to take fueled engines to produce that i mean that's the one thing that's not being talked about is how much how much the environment's going to be affected by you know just producing you know the batteries that these vehicles take, you know, and then the disposal of these batteries, once you can't, they're, they're not rechargeable anymore. Can they be recycled or do they have to be disposed of somewhere? Where are they going to go? You can't just throw them away. They're going to have to go in some bunker or buried landfill somewhere that they're going to be around for generations. I mean, how do you dispose of it? I mean, how is that better for the environment at this point? I'm not saying that we, don't need to go to more of a sustainable natural energy source. I'm not saying that at all, but we can't just go to it at the snap of a finger and, you know, hope for the best. We have to fine tune it a little bit more than we have before we convert completely to that. Well, they got it. Like, I don't know. I, I like the electric vehicles. Like I don't have one or anything, but I don't think they're there yet as far as, I mean, I know they have a ton of electric vehicles out there now, but I don't think they're quite there yet with the um, duration of the charging and stuff like that yet. I, I don't know. No. It doesn't seem like they're quite there yet. It, it's a good idea. I think a lot of this is spurred on now by the... But it hasn't been well thought out yet completely to, you know, to completely convert and to dump, to completely dump certain industries to do that. I mean, not only, like I said before, not only are you going to dump, you know, aspects of the economy, the world economy, because let's be honest... When it comes to oil still right now, that is the lifeblood of this world, of the, the world economy. And um, well, yeah, and that's I'm, not why saying, those, I'm not saying that it needs to last forever because, yeah, I think fossil fuels, you know, do hurt the, uh, the environment, you know, after a certain amount of time and, you know, greenhouse gases and whatnot. But until we've completely worked out a system and, and perfected what we're trying to go to, we have no business completely converting to it yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they should do that yet either. And I think they obviously, in my opinion, the pipeline was probably shut off for some monetary gain somewhere else, um, especially with the raising, raising of gas prices that we all saw for a long time. And now they're slowly coming down in places except California because California sucks. Uh, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's interesting. It's a cool idea. But yeah, the people that are, like you said, like, that are the powerhouses now of the diesel fields and stuff like that, where they, you know, where they refine all that stuff, they're going to fight tooth and nail to not lose that power. So it's not going to be something you're just going to, like you said, you're not going to just flip a switch and all of a sudden, you know, Oh, we're all electric now. And like, well, that's not going to happen. Right. And these batteries don't just automate. They're not just, you know, Oh, they're magically made. No, you have to destroy a lot of earth to gain these minerals. And then a massive amount of production, which takes fueled vehicles. Yeah. And then to set up the, you know, the infrastructure as far as like so many, I mean, just the amount of electricity that is going to have to be generated to facilitate every one of these vehicles. And it just hasn't been well thought out. It's just, it's well, just yeah, a, well, the other bullshit it's a political, is, it's a political fucking tool. Well, the other bullshit is once, once they officially go like all electric, and I don't know if they'll always, I don't think they'll go totally electric, obviously, but once they go, let's say 80% electric, except for certain things they can't do electric or whatever. Um, just wait. Cause they're going to jack the, all they're going to do is jack your electric bills up. 
That's all they're going to do. It's just like, it's just the same thing you see now with like everybody. Well, I know we did and a lot of people do this. Everybody got rid of cable and satellite TV and picked up all this like subscription services of different things and Hulu's and whatever else stuff you can cancel at any time, walk away at any time. And it was like, Oh yeah, look at like, even when we did it, when we first did it, we were saving like a hundred dollars a month and getting all the same shit, if not more. And now all of a sudden everything's slowly creeping back up to the point now where it's like, I think now we're saving like $30 a month, you know? So, and eventually that you'll be paying more than you were before. I mean, that's just how it's going to go because the people, because now the, the power play people are the Hulu's and the YouTube lives and the, uh, what's, I don't know the other ones off the top of my head, but all those other ones, they're, they're, they're Roku. now the power players. Yeah. Roku and all that different stuff. They're all going to be the power players now. And then the cable companies are going to, you know, slowly go away. And, but well, they're not going to really, all go, they're not going to totally go away because there's definitely parts in the parts of the country where, you know, they don't have great internet. So you have to rely on a cable driven thing, not a satellite driven thing. Well, and that's the thing people that's, that's to me, that's where the cable companies have people still by the balls is, uh, you know, most people rely on, you know, their local cable service to facilitate their internet service for their house. And, uh, you know, it, to facilitate Google that, that's, fiber, bitch. To facilitate that uh, that streaming service that you may have, like whether it's Apple TV, you know, Roku, or you know, whatever. And uh, um, I mean, like for instance, uh, the cable service we have. I mean, it's it's you can really see how much money they're losing due to streaming services because it's obvious that, and that's why they have these bundle plans because they make it to where, you know, like for instance, when I recently moved to the house I'm in now about two years ago, I had to set up uh, to the local cable service. Uh, and they're like, well, do you want the bundle plan? I'm like, no, I just want cable and then basic cable TV and then internet. That's it. I don't need a landline. I haven't had a landline since 2002. Yeah. Well, it's cheaper if you get the bundle, you know, with the landlines. Like, so you're telling me that it's going to be more expensive me for me to have less of a service. Yeah. Yeah, because like they want you, they want your hooks in you with everything. Right, exactly. So I'm like, fine. It's like it's not like we're gonna hook into it. Which yeah, we have we have landline capabilities in this house, but do we use it? No. Who does? Yeah, we, you know, I haven't but, had a uh, landline in forever. Yeah, I haven't had a landline like I said since 2002. And uh, but you you could where you can really tell how desperate some of these cable services are getting is nobody orders these the movie networks on the cable service anymore because one it's more expensive than if they got it on it's an app through one of their streaming services from like apple tv or whatnot and uh so what i've noticed that they've started to do now is you know i'll be watching tv i remember when we first moved to this house and i'm like i'm like damn babe why can't i get the diy network and usually that's a basic channel that's free right mm -hmm. or why can't i get the learning channel i'm just using that as an example you know, and come to find out that since they can't, since they're losing money from people not purchasing like the movie, the movie channel packages and whatnot, they're starting to take channels away from the, which was normally basic cable. And if you want those now, you have to pay for them. Yep. You have to pay extra. And it's like, motherfuckers. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's what they're, yeah. So they're always going to do that stuff. Yeah. You know? But, but it, it's, it's all uh, like, like I said, it, when it comes down, like getting back to what we were talking about before, when it comes to, when it comes to common sense, I just, to me, like for instance, when we were talking about, you know, when the current administration came into office and the first thing they did was take us off, you know, energy independence, stupid, doesn't make any sense. And now when we got into the situation, when we went into Ukraine, I'm not going to get into that because we've already talked about that before. and Everybody knows my feelings on that. Um, logic. Can I use the word logic? Logic would say, and common sense would say, okay, since oil is at an all-time high due to inflation and due to the sanctions that we put on Russia, logic would say, instead of Joe Biden going over and kissing the ring of the kingdom in Saudi Arabia to produce more oil, which they denied. And then he was going to go over to Venezuela and do the same thing. It's like, instead of doing that, getting in to produce more of what you've been trying to get away from to help the American people out. Why don't you turn back on the, uh, 
production of the Keystone Pipeline and uh, certain uh, drilling leases for the oil companies here in the United States and get us back on what you took away. That would help out a lot. Not right away, but it would definitely start to lessen the blow after a while once it got back underway. It's stuff like that, which is common sense, that they do not give you the answer to of why they haven't done that. You know, the only answer you get is, well, we're still we're trying to, it's for the environment. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah, that's what Sorry. No, I think that was enough of Bobby's rant today. Oh, the other thing I want to say, since I mentioned Saudi Arabia, and this is what people need to, this should scare people. This is one thing that is, to me, and I've been saying this, I've been sounding this alarm for a long time. Now, Saudi Arabia has joined the BRICS nations, apparently. And for viewers out there that don't know what the BRICS nations are, the BRICS nations are, usually the BRICS nations kind of started like around, I think went around like 14 years ago, which countries like BRICS standing for Brazil, Russia, India, China, um, South Africa, countries that have been trying to, they're tired of being under the thumbnail of the uh, petrodollar or the uh, American dollar, which is a reserve currency of the world. And they've been doing either bilateral deals or trying to circumvent around it. Now Saudi Arabia is part of that. And the significance of that is, is one of the main reasons why the American dollar is and has been the reserve currency of the world for a long time is because of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia was a big, that was the, one of the major legs in the stool that kept the dollar as a reserve currency of the world because of the deal Kissinger and company, like we've talked about before, made in the Middle East after Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard, where, which is the reason why we're still friends with why, you know, why people have always wondered why we're still friends with Saudi Arabia because they're such an oppressive country. Why? Why do we put up with this? Because we made a deal with them back in the 70s that, if they, we would protect them militarily, give them weapons, protect their oil fields, as long as they sold them and OPEC sold all of their oil in American dollars, which means a huge population of the planet that relies on that part of the world for their, for their energy has to purchase American dollars first before they buy their energy. But now, since Saudi Arabia is going to BRICS, how long do you think that's going to last? And once that leg of the stool is kicked out, that's a huge problem for this country. And people need to, need to be aware of that. Cause that to me, that, that is one of the final nails in the coffin of the uh, dollar being the uh, reserve currency of the world. Not to mention that we've printed so much of it and we've never been in any type of situation, financial situation that we are any time in history. Yeah. And being the biggest debtor nation on the world, in the world. Okay, I'll finish my rant. That, that was my rant. <laughs> that was Bobby's rant. And people have heard me say that before, but now it's very significant and very valid because of what I just said about Saudi Arabia joining the BRICS nations. Well, there you go. You know, and, and that's... It, Look that up, look at the history, you know, and it will scare everybody. And, uh, yeah. All right, well, let's get into our EMS topic of the week, which you wanted to talk about. Uh, you brought up a good one this week, so tell everybody what it is. Yeah, I think uh, the reason why I wanted to bring up this topic is because I think it's something that, especially for people that are trying to get in this line of work or thinking about it, um, it's a topic that's not really talked about that much until you are actually faced with it. And uh, it, it, it can get very, you know, it, there's a legal aspect of it that can protect you or hurt you. And um, I think basic, basically what it is, is um, there's a lot of people, a lot, of, especially a lot of people in the law enforcement side of things that think that uh, we can do certain things that we can't. That being said, and, and is that, for instance, for example, let me give an example. Say I run a call and uh, say the 
say local PD calls for, for a paramedic unit and, um, we respond, it's for, you know, a person with a, uh, you know, having like a psychotic episode, you know, we come on scene and, uh, the person's in custody. The cops have them in custody cause they pulled them over for a, uh, DUI or a weapons possession or whatever. Okay. They're in custody. Um, and we do one of our tests where one of the things we do is we test, you know, how with it are they? Are, you know, are, are they suicidal? Are they homicidal? Are they, uh, you know, are they answering all questions appropriately? You know, how with it are they? And as you know, Jason, we'll do specific things to try to feel that out. And um, if we find that, no, this person's of the uh, you know, of their own sound mind and body, they're, they're answering everything correctly. You know, they, Hey, we can't make them go to the hospital. Right. And cops will be like, well, can you take them? It's like, no, I can't take, why can't you take them? It's like, well, are they under, are they in, are they in custody? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you want them to go to the hospital and they're in cuffs, which I can clearly see that they are right now, do you want them to remain restrained? Yes. Okay, well, which one of you guys or girls are going to, one, ride in the back with us, two, cuff them to my stretcher, and three, ride the whole way? Because if you're telling me that you're doing an emergency petition on this patient and they voluntarily don't want to go, I can't make them go. And then two, if you're saying they have to go, you have to go with me. Yeah, and you can't stop them if they just want to get out right. at any point and stuff like that either. Right, and that's the thing. It's like, well, can I just ride behind or can, or, uh, or can I just meet you there? No, because if you're – and that's, that's the crucial part of this conversation that I think needs to be addressed is no. If that police officer is not with you 100% of the time, next to you, right next to the patient, cuffed to the stretcher, if that patient, you know, if they're saying they need to go to the hospital, but they're just going with me unrestrained, if that patient at any time wants to get out of that truck, I have to let them out. Yeah. And this has been a, this has been a conflict, and this is not all police departments because a lot of police departments get this completely. A lot don't. It's like they, they don't understand that just because they're in our ambulance and you told them to go with us doesn't mean that we can keep them one restrained and two, we don't have the authority to hold them if they want to get out. Well, we used to like, we've talked about it before too. We used to have, um, uh, back, back when I did private ambulance back in the day, like, which is more inner facility stuff. We would have patients that were, uh, psych voluntary psych patients, um, being transported to whatever, to another facility. Right. And we had, I don't know, a handful of times that uh, we would have, you know, patients like in the middle of an intersection, they would just get up, you know, unstrap themselves from the cot, open up the right. back door of the ambulance, you had a stoplight or whatever, and open up and walk out. And then units would, like, I, I had this happen to me. I never had it happen to me personally, but I had it when I was a dispatcher. And, right. uh, and they would, unit would mark up and be like, hey, we're, at, uh, we're in D.C. at the whatever, Constitution and Fifth or whatever, you know, and they're like, a uh, patient just got out of the back of the truck at the light. And then I'd be like, Okay, you're in service. Ten thirty-eight. I'll let I'll let PD a Metro PD know. And that was it. Because there's nothing we can do. It's not we, he's voluntary, so you can't force him anything. You can't go grab him or anything like that. Because then you're doing assault and battery at that point. So you just let him go. Let the police know in the local jurisdiction, and they can handle it if they want to or not handle it. Like whatever, you know. Right. Or you you'll you'll uh, have uh, another common one that we have is you'll uh, you get called to the police station for. Uh, someone they have in custody that is either complaining of chest pain, complaining of some sort of ailment, or maybe they got into a scuffle with the cops and they ended up getting hurt in the process, meaning the, the uh, person of interest. Um, if we check them out and say they do need to go to the hospital, it's like, okay, are they in custody? Well, yeah, well, which one are you going with us? Well, can't you just take them? It's like, well, okay, you need to understand something. If they're just going to go with us, that means they're not in custody anymore. And five seconds we get down the road, they want to get out. I'm letting them out. 
So how are you going to deal with it then? Yeah. And this, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in this predicament. And most cops get it. Some don't, especially, you know, not to be disrespectful, but some of the younger cops don't. It's like, look, you need to understand something. If they're going with us, they're not in custody. If you're going with us and they're going with us, you can do what you want. I do not have the authority to hold somebody against their will. And that's something that happens all the time is, is situations like this with law enforcement. Well, I've I mean, seen, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it, it, every, every, everybody has different experiences regarding this, but like I said, I've dealt with great police departments and I've dealt with great police departments that don't know how this works especially some of the younger officers and um, it can be a, it can be a, you know, back and forth push game. You know, it's like, look, I don't know how many times I've had to uh, tell cops like, look, if you're not going with us, you're telling me they're, they're detained. If they're not, if if you're not going with us, I'm not taking them because if you're telling me that even if they're voluntarily going now, you know, if they're voluntarily going now, that's fine. But you have to understand that if you're going to follow us to the hospital, you might not, you know, they might not be at the hospital when you get there because if I let them out, I have no choice. They want it out. When they're just with me and only with me, they're not in custody anymore. Right. And, and I don't have the power or the authority to keep them detained. And this is this has been, over the years, this has been a, you know, like I said, it's been a, just when you think you have this problem, you know, nicked in the butt, it resurfaces. Yeah, I, I had that more or less with the younger cops where they didn't know they could do like emergency protective orders and stuff because they'd right. say like, hey, you have to go to the hospital. Let, let's say it's attempted suicide or something like that. Right. They'd say you have to go. Tell, the cops would say to the patient, hey, you have to go to the hospital. Because there's and, paperwork and, that has to be filled out at the hospital for y- that. Yeah. And they would say, hey, you, you know, you need to ride with these guys. And, right. I, and I, you know, of course, I'd be like, hey, no disrespect. Do you want to go to the hospital with us? And they say, no, we, I don't want to go to the hospital. And they're like, okay, well, right. we, we can't force them. He's like, yes, you can. I'm like, no, I can't. And then you'd have to explain to them. And they're like, well, you know, and you're like, yeah, you would have to get an emergency protective order in order to do this. And then you, right. that's all your thing. Like, that's not us. Like we can't for if he doesn't want to go and he's alert and orient times three. And like, this is the law enforcement issue at this point, unless, you know, it changes or something like that. But like you had to, you would have to explain that to him. The stuff. So. Yeah. And it happens quite often. Like I said, it, it happens quite often. And it, it, uh, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it, it's gotten to the point over the years where I'm just like, I don't hesitate to be like, well, if you're not going to go with us and there's nothing medically wrong with them and they don't want to go, I'm not taking them. Right. You know, you're telling me I have to do something that I do not have the power to do. So your problem, not mine. See you later. <laughs> go back in service. Yeah. And a lot of it's like, like it was funny. I had a, I had a friend of mine who was a cop. Um, and so we used to every once in a while, you know, run into each other on scenes like that. And he would, we'd always have, like you said, it's always like a back and forth game. Cause I, you know, they'd be like, Hey, you need to go to the hospital and these guys will take you da, da, da. and, or, you know, or, or like, here's the thing. You can either go to the hospital voluntarily with this medic crew or we can go, I can take you, but you're going to be putting cuffs and in the back of the truck or in the back of the squad car. And then you'd be like, and you know, in my squad car, you're going to be all cramped in there, but on the ambulance, you can stretch out. It's like a you know lazy boy, like in there, you know, and they would try to like, like make our sound like a vacation. They don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. It is funny. But it was always like a joke back and forth. Cause we would always try to one up each other to make, I would try to make him do it. He'd try to make me do it, you know, cause it's all in the, at the end of the day, it's all bullshit. Like those, I'm mean, not that it's bullshit, but like if a patient doesn't want to go to the hospital and you, and you force them to go to the hospital, are they really going to get any help they need? Probably not. Even if they're given the help they need, they're probably not going to receive it. If that makes sense, you know? Right. So it's kind of one of those things. And same thing, like we talked about this pre-show a little bit, but same thing with like drug calls, like heroin overdoses and we'd get there and, and the needles like still on their arm. So it's like, obviously they did it. You know what I mean? And there's obviously evidence right. there and they can check and see what was in the syringe. We already know it's a narcotic because we can see that. And then we, we bring them back with Narcan and everything's fine. And then, we look at the cop like, hey, are you guys going to follow us? Now, it's a medical thing. You know what I mean? And the patient's like right. willing to go to the hospital and stuff. Plus, we gave them meds. They're going. And then 
And then the cop's like, oh, like, can you guys come to the hospital? Nah. No? You're not even writing a report? You're not even arresting this person or doing anything? And they're like, no. Okay. You know, and then like it was, you know, in the sometimes the patients we freaked out. They're like, oh, the cop's going to get me at the hospital. I'm like, no, they're not even nope. coming, dude. And then, you know, and I would just be honest with them. Like, well, yeah, in that, and in situations like that. But it's like they actually... don't want to do the paperwork. They know that if they do do the paperwork, they're just going to be let out of jail that night anyway. Like, it, because the system's overloaded, you know what I mean, with that kind of stuff. So it's one of those things. And that's where a, what you said right there is how a lot of people get out of DUIs. And it, which I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not trying to say this is an awesome thing to do by any means. I'm just saying there's, and I know you've run into this a lot of times before too, Jay. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of times where it always seems to happen at fricking two o'clock in the morning. Cause when the bars let out, <laughs> yeah, you say you, you get, you know, you get called for, uh, you know, assisting a police officer with a medical, um, on the side of the highway somewhere. You, you know, pretty much what it is. It's either going to be, pre-incarcerated chest pain, meaning that somebody knows they're going to be arrested and all of a sudden they're starting to have chest pain to just try to delay the process. You know, it's not really serious, but even though you still have to treat it, if it's serious, I like the ones at court too. Right. Or, or they pull somebody over for a DUI and, um, say the person's complaining about, uh, Oh, I have a headache or they started throwing up or whatnot. So the, you know, cop, the cops call for a paramedic unit to come out and check them out. Um, and uh, you get there, and everything checks out. They're fine. But patient still wants to go to the hospital. You know, we can't, if patient wants to go to the hospital, we're not going to deny them. You know, we're, we're not going to say, no, we're not going to take you. You know, if they want to go to the hospital, go to the hospital. Okay. And then you talk to the cops. Are you guys going to follow us? No. It's like, well, then you, then you pull this person over for a DUI. Yeah. Sometimes they just don't want to deal with the paperwork. Yeah, it's so, sad. It's sad that it and, gets and that person. Yeah, that person who was pulled over for a DUI, who could have killed somebody or themselves, got off scot free. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not trying to you know make this sound like, hey man, this is a cool way I can get out of DUI. No, I'm just saying this is the reality. This is something that happens a lot. Yeah, I, I wouldn't roll and, the and, dice with that try there because if you no, if you get a DUI, you're gonna be fucked. Like that's so many. Yeah, tens of thousands and, of dollars you're gonna pay for that. Yeah, most of the times, yeah, the cops are going to follow you to the hospital or they're going to ride with you. But, you know, sometimes they'll be like, you going to go? You going to meet us at the hospital? No. It's like, at that point, it's like, that person's scot-free. I think that's weak police work, in my opinion, on those. Like, stuff like that, well, like, to me, is like, I mean, I, a DUI to me is much more serious than a heroin overdose at your house. Right. You know, because if you're at your house... You're not, obviously you're not driving. Um, I mean, it's illegal. We all know that, da, 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 but, but at the same time, you're only hurting yourself. Like if you OD on heroin, you'll just be dead and whatever. That's it. Right. But like DUI, you're out there like endangering the lives of so many other people, you know? So that, that to me is more of a arrest worthy, uh, a crime than, you know, the doing the drugs at your house kind of thing. You know? Well, that being said, that means uh, that, I mean, most of the cops we deal with are great. I mean, we rely on the cops for a lot. I mean, hands down. The, I mean, but these are situations that we've just described that, that happen quite a bit. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to point the finger at, at uh, law enforcement or whatnot because uh, we love the hell out of them, and they've helped us out in pinches constantly. But this is a reality. This happens quite a bit. Yeah, we had a good relationship where I worked with the police. Uh, with the, it was the sheriff's office there, but we had a good relationship with them. Where if if they were asking for like a favor, like kind of one of those things where it's like, hey, you really don't need to take them, but can you take them kind of thing? We would normally right. hook them up because they would hook us up on calls, and you know when sure. when we need backup, you know they're always there. When when someone you know, um, I mean you know I've had people like I've had people on a scene that that get irate with EMS for whatever reason. You know, right. and, and they're right over there taking care of the problem, you know, because yeah. I remember I had a call where I had a guy getting, I don't know, bucking up to me or whatever. And I was, you know, I'd, you know, we all wear our radios, or whatever. And I just marked up that we were on a separate channel for the incident. And I remember just marking up having the because there were tons of deputies on scene. I was like, hey, send a deputy over right. to where we are. And the deputy came over and I just looked at her and she looked at me. She goes, hey, what's up? And I said, he's being a dick. And then and then um, and she goes, <laughs> and she goes, 
got, I got it. And then she just went over and regulated with him. And, oh, and the, yeah, I, I, yeah, nothing happened, like whatever. But like, it, you know, I don't, well, he didn't get arrested or anything like that, but he got handled and that was the end of it. You know what I mean? So they have our back without question when we need them. So like, you know, it's kind of like, you got to work together, you know? But yeah, I do agree. Like when I see those things, like, like the one I remember with the heroin needle, like literally in the person's arm. Right. Like, I understand like certain things you're going to be like, well, it's kind of hearsay. Did they do it? Didn't they do it? What did they like? There's a lot of investigation work that kind of becomes costly. But when they're like sitting there like that, I'm like, uh. <laughs> and then I remember we were in that, that particular call. We were the person, the patient was not the homeowner. So right. the homeowner was in the house. Of course, they probably did drugs too. Um, and the police, everybody fire, we're all in there. We're bringing the patient out. And then the cops wanted to look around the house more because of they've had problems, I guess, with that house before. And, you know, they had justification now because someone was in there with a heroin overdose and the, the owner of the house, like we were, we were coming out of the house still. And the owner of the house is like screaming at the cop, like, get the fuck out of my house. Blah, blah, blah. Fuck you. Get a search warrant. Go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? And, and I'm just looking and we're all hearing this. We're like, okay, that's when you back up. You know, when, when someone starts mouthing off to cops, that's usually when you'll see MS and fire just kind of disappear into the background because it's probably going to go down. Um, and it's not going to be fun for the other people. And, uh, and then the cops are just like, all right. And we're like, you're going to let her talk to you like that. And like, not go like, okay, but whatever, you know? And there right. may have been and stuff I that I, we're not privy to as far as information. I don't know. But I was just like, wow. Like they were someone in their house with narcotics, like obvious, like the, you know, the, the, everything was right there on the scene. You could see it, you know, like, I was like, okay. But sometimes it's like that, you know? Well, yeah, and I also think it's important to to point out that, especially to people that are new or thinking about getting into this line of work, that uh, you're going to run into situations that you never thought you were going to be in. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, especially um, there are times that you're going to be in the back of the, the ambulance by yourself with a patient that all of a sudden crazes out and starts getting combative. Yep. Say they're bigger than you. How are you going to handle it? Because there are going to be times where you're going to have to protect yourself. Grab that O2 bottle. That, crack, that, crack. That, that is just the, that is just the reality of the situation. And, um, you know, there are some times where it, it'll, it'll come to a scrap and you're going to have to, it, it's going to get physical because there's going to be no way out of it. But that, because that, patient is going to do anything they can to fight you and um you'll be in situations where you know it's not going to be easy for your partner to just pull over to the side of the road if need be or they might not know necessarily what's going on because it happens so fast mm -hmm. you know and uh i think uh that needs people need to be aware of that i mean that it's because it'll happen it's not a question of if it's a question of when yeah, especially when know. drugs are involved, you'll see that a lot. Yeah, because they're in they're they're in altered states, and then sometimes they'll freak out when they come around and see. Because I had so many times where you take like over like heroin overdoses and stuff like that, those kind of narcotic overdoses, and the people when they come to freak out because now they're not. Of course, their high's gone and they're pissed. But not only that, they're like, "Who the fuck are you? Where the fuck am I?" And then, oh shit! They really like you know see the uniform. They kind of figure out pretty quick who we are because there's usually like a lot of firefighter medics around there. But then, it, then all of a sudden they worry about, it, are they going to jail? You know, and that kind of thing. And I'm like, no, you're good, man. The cops, they're going to come to the hospital. So you're fine. You know? Right. And I can't, I can't even express enough, especially if you work in an area, say you work in a heavy, you know, a heavy gang affiliated area. And uh, you run a call for like, say a gunshot wound in a gang area. And a lot of times it's going to be gang affiliated. Make sure you have the proper amount of PD police department there because I don't know how many times situations are run into where you run that gunshot wound for a rival gang member and the job wasn't finished. And sometimes they may creep back when you're trying to help that patient and try to finish the job. Yeah. You don't want to be caught in that type of situation without protection around you yeah that is, yeah that so, okay. right so it, that that is the type of call i don't care how serious the gunshot wound is 
if that scene is not safe and you don't have the proper police protection there, don't go in until they get there. Yeah. Well, Period. That, well, that was like when I was uh, the long, long, long time ago, but when I was at EMT school or whatever, and I got to ride on in uh, ambulance in D.C., and we went, we, it was a Saturday night. Uh, we left the firehouse. We had a 12-hour shift. Left the firehouse at 7 p.m. on a Saturday night. Never came back to the firehouse till 7 a.m. Not once. Like, did we ever come back? We were just constantly all over the city. And our first three calls were shootings, uh, DOAs, and, um, which was awesome because, like, as a new person, you're like, okay, we're into it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, uh, but that was funny because they, like, we went to a scene and the guy had been shot execution style. So he was shot uh, eight times in the back of his skull at point blank range. And so we got to the call and of course, PDs all over the place, you know, there's thousands of, them, you know, and cause this, I guess was like a big scene or whatever. And, um, we get there and they, you know, we obviously see the person's deceased. And then the, uh, person I'm with is like, all right, let's get the fuck back in the truck. Let's get out of here. And I was like, Oh, what? And he, I thought you just, I don't know, did a report stood around. Like I didn't know, I wasn't even an EMT yet, you know, so it's all new to me. He's like, no, we get the fuck out of here, dude. Shootings, those people come back. We don't know. I mean, this guy's obviously dead, but we don't know. It's totally true. The guy is probably right over there that did it. You know, he's probably one of those guys. I mean, who knows, you know, and uh, did that. And then, and then when we went on another one where we were pulling in, he's like, because I was new, obviously, didn't know anything. And he was like, yeah, if he's like, he's like, you know, if there's any shooting goes on, you know, I was in riding in the back, obviously. He's like, if you're getting shooting, lay flat on the back floor, like on the floor down there. And I was like, oh, and and he's like, no, we're not kidding. And, and I was like, okay. And then he's like, we're going to get in. We're going to see if it's confirmed and whatever we need to do. And we're get the fuck out of here. And we're not hanging around these calls. And I was like, okay. right. And that, and that was like my shock of this, you know, seeing it all for the first time was seeing that kind of, you know, you read, you go to class and you hear the stories and stuff. It doesn't mean anything until you see it in person. And I was right. like, oh, okay. Cool. All right. And he's like, yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. Cause that is true. You got to be safe. You know what I mean? So you, use your common sense too, you know? Well, and I know, especially when, uh, people first start um, working in fire and EMS. I mean, they're excited. I mean, you were, I was, mm-hmm. you know, you, you want to see the shit that that's like, especially when you first get in, that, that's a, that's, you love that adrenaline high. You want to see as much shit as you can in a short amount of time, but that's where people need to slow their, slow their roll. And when it comes to situations like that, you don't know what you're necessarily stepping into. So if, you know, go with your instincts, and if if a call goes out like that and it's in gangland, you make sure before you roll into the middle of that scene that the proper police, you know, component is there. Yeah, for sure. Because, and, and, and because certain- because if you start doing your thing and you start trying to help out this person, and you know, because a lot of times whoever the shooter was, if it's a rival gang member, they're they're going to linger around a little bit in the shadows just to. And if they see that you, they didn't finish the job and you're bringing that person back, they might want to finish it and you too. Yeah. So that's definitely, you know, just know your environment and watch your ass and your partners. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why a lot of times uh, where I was from too, obviously depending on where the call was located in, in reference to um, where your station is and stuff, a lot of times they would just have a stage and quarters for a lot of the stuff. Cause it's stupid even like on a real call. I'm not talking about like, I don't know, like sometimes they have you stage for like kind of wimpier reasons, I guess. But when it's like a shooting and there's like active gunfire that's happened, like those kind of things, like you just stay in your building, man. Why, why even go out? Like, there's no point. Like they'll call it like, go when you're ready, when they need you. Don't, you know, you don't need to creep till you're a block away, you know, cause someone can obviously leave a scene and get a block away too and be in your area. So I don't know. That was just one of those things. Like that was, um, yeah, kind of a pet peeve of mine too. Was just always, you know, always be safe with people. Always, you know, have your partner be safe. Like you said, like talk to your partners. You're pulling up to a scene, like kind of you can gauge the whole area, you know. So right, because I remember, I remember this is kind of a little bit off of a story, but I remember we had a call for a pediatric seizure, and it was in a uh, not nicer neighborhood. We'll just say it like that. And when we pulled up to the scene, there was literally, probably it was a suburb area, literally probably fifty people in the street. And it was like our first call of the morning. Like, you know, it's like eight o'clock or something. And we're like, oh, okay, PDX, okay, cool. And we're like rolling up. And then we'll see, we see like all these people in the street. Like, it was like, a, yeah. like a block party type looking thing, you know? And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then we pull up 
and I can't, and I can't, no, it wasn't like that, but, I, but I, I pull up and I can't get out of my, I'm the medic. And I can't open my door because there's this man there. Right. And he's like screaming, like not, not mean screaming, but just like help or whatever, come help or whatever, doing that nonsense. And so I'm like, Hey, and I, and like, he comes towards me and I, and I open the door real quick and you know, I'm, I'm, I can be kind of aggressive like that, but I got, and I just looked at him, I go back the fuck up. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Why are there, why is a pediatric seizure have 50 right. people? Like this isn't normal, you know? And, and your instincts and your gut. Yeah. And my instinct is, my inst- is wrong. Yeah. My instinct is like, tell this dude to fuck off. You know what I mean? So, and like, I see him, he, he kind of bucks towards me a little bit and I tell him to fuck off. And then, and then I see a lady that's what I found out later is his wife. Um, and she's like on the ground, like screaming in hysterics. Like in the street, this is in the street, mind you. Right. And so immediately I said, Hey, back the fuck up like that. And he backed up and I was like, and I, I like got on the radio and I had them start sheriff's office for, I said, sheriff's office for crowd control, crowd, crowd right. control. Cause I don't know what the fuck's going on. You know, like, I'm like, this is a seizure call. Like this isn't a fight or a like gun, whatever. This, this is supposed to be a seizure. This is a medical. This is like calm and you, you know, whatever. And, and so then we find the patient. He's in the driveway of one of the houses, um, you know, where we pulled up because that was the address. And there's a lady with the patient and she's like, you know, supporting his neck and like, you know, cause he had a seizure and he fell down. So she's like doing the right thing. Right. And so we're like, Oh, how are you doing? And like, she's like, good. Thanks for coming guys. And we're like, yeah, what happened? And she's giving us the whole story. And I was like, Oh cool. Are you going to ride with us? And she was a different race than the person, the patient. Right. But I was like, Hey, are you going to ride with, I just assume it's the mom. Right. Cause she's concerned for this little kid. Who's like, I don't know, 10 or something, you know? And, and she's like, Oh, I'm not the parent. I was like, what? And she's like, no, I'm not, I'm not his parent. And I was like, Who, who's the parents? And she goes, oh, you already met them when you came in. <laughs> and I go, what the fuck? Why is everybody else? What is all this? And she's like, I don't know. And I was like, all right, great. And so by this point, right, like, great. by this point, like the, the engines, it was a neighborhood that had all the speed bumps in it, you know, so you can't like fly through the neighborhood and you just yeah. see the engine, like Dukes of Hazarding coming in, you know, cause they're flooring it. Cause they hear me call for basically help on the radio. And, uh, and then, and then all these cops, like, you know, just, just like seven cops goes, they're all coming in. Whoa. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, uh, and then, um, whatever we end up taking the patient, put him in the unit, whatever. And the mom, the one that was laying on the floor, just hysterics. Like she was the mom of the patient. So I was like, well, I'm not even waiting to talk to them because they're both not in their right mind right now. So we took him to the hospital and everything. Literally. Was yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything was fine. And then I didn't, I didn't know this cause I was, you know, I'm in the back with the patient, but we had to have a police escort out of there too. Like that's how bad this was. And right. uh, I found that out later from the engine. I was like, Oh, you had to have a police escort out. I was like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah. And then it was funny. Fast forward. Cause now fast forward, like years later, like we get a call two or three in the morning for a patient at an address. We pull up my lieutenants there on the engine. Cause it was their first due area. So they're there first. And, right. uh, and we pull up and he goes, Hey, he's like, Jay, you know where you are? I was like, uh, one, two, three, fourth street. He's like, no, Gangland, do you know baby. this house? And I was like, <laughs> no, he goes, remember that fuck the guy that bucked up to you and did all this shit. And he goes, I go, Oh yeah. And he goes, yeah, he's inside. So it'd be cool. <laughs> and I was like, he was really nice to me inside. He was totally nice. Like he wasn't mean or anything. So I think they were just overly hysterical about their son, but that's not the right way to handle, you know, I'm not trying to judge people who, because if they've never had, I don't remember the specifics. I don't know if that kid ever had a seizure before. So obviously that's traumatic to witness as a parent, stuff like that, but definitely laying in the middle street, rolling around, isn't helping anybody. And then, and then the guy charging up to the ambulance, like he's aggressively charging up to the ambulance. Isn't right either. Um, And then not telling a shit. And then luckily some parent bystander who was nice enough to, you know, stay calm in the situation and knew kind of basic first aid stuff, what to do you know, hold him there, keep his airway open, that kind of make sure he's not vomiting or anything like that, hurting himself, you know, and was able to give us some basic information enough where we could be like, okay, cool. We're going to get out of here, you know, because in, in that point, it's like obviously implied consent, you know? So yeah, to all the veterans out there, you know what we're talking about, but to all the young grommets out there that are just starting out, more of the story is go with your gut. Yeah. It will never, it will never lie to you. Yeah. And I knew yes. right away, like as soon as we pulled up, I remember looking at my partner going, what the fuck is this? Right. And it was our first, like I said, it was our first call. So like in the morning, I'm in a good mood. I'll take, I'll take anybody else for the dumbest shit. You know, first call of the day, I don't care. You're like, oh, I have a hangnail. Yeah, cool, man. You want to go for a ride? Come on, cool. You know, 3 a.m. I'm like, oh, fuck yourself. You know what I mean? 
yeah, that that feeling that, that that you know the feeling you call it your you know your instincts, your gut, the hairs on the back of your neck that stand up. That is a barometer. Listen to it; it won't lie to you. You know, I can't stress that enough. Well, that's why it was funny later. Now, fast forward, like later, talking to the crew about stuff, the engine crew. Um, they know me like I, I can handle myself and like, I'm not really, there's not, there's very few scenes that I'm like, even, even with guns involved or something that I'm really worried about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, not, not that I'm like a super tough guy or anything, but I just know how to, you know, I don't know, like not make it a big deal, you know, with a lot of stuff. And they even were like, yeah, we heard you on the radio and we were like, uh, he never calls for help. <laughs> <laughs> like he never asked, for, you know, like, and I was like, so you knew, they knew something was up. Yeah. They knew something. Cause like, especially I was like, uh, crowd control, <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> like, they knew that. And you hear the dispatcher going like, Oh crap. And then they toned out for the, I don't remember what they call it, but all the units came, like all the sheriff's office were there. So, but yeah, you just gotta be smart about that stuff. Take care of your partner, take care of your, uh, you know, your partner. And then obviously anybody else it's, it's uh, EMS fire on the scene, police too. And then obviously a patient after that, you know, take care of them too. But yeah, right that's on. it, man. You got anything else you want to add this week? I sure as fuck do, man. I want to give a little shout out to two of my boys on the West Coast. Yeah. Mr. Marky Marcos and Dave. You know who you are. Just want to give a shout out to them. Uh, and I uh, hope they're doing well. And uh, yeah, that's it. All right, cool, man. Well, this has been episode number 23, or excuse me, 29 of Paramax Unscripted. So without further ado, then, we will see you next week on Paramedics Unscripted. Uh, <laughs> is this like a goddamn...